Our lesson comes out of the book of Luke. Luke, you don't have to understand that. The book of Luke, uh, chapter 15. I'm going to cover the whole chapter because it all works together. I'm just not going to read the whole chapter. Can I get an amen on that one? That Larry doesn't read the whole chapter. Uh, we'll discuss it more in our Bible study. We will have Bible study tonight at 6. Uh, I'm not sure if Harold, but i got to be at the gym at 2.30. Uh, for extra special people need extra training, I guess, by Gail. But so with that, moving on. <clears throat> I was hoping to play it today on a video, but that didn't work out. Uh, maybe another time. Corey Asbury, which I know I've talked about this song before, has a song out there called Reckless Love. Great song, but he sits there and talks about God, how God will leave the 99 and go get the one that is lost. That comes out of Luke chapter 15, that Bible verse right there, and which we need to understand. I'm going to have a technical part of the sermon here real quick. The number 100, the number 100 is, the word, the word is cough. Q-O-O-F in, in Hebrew, God's election of grace, children of promise, it is his promise to us, is the number 100, but it is a, the perfect completeness. We, the seven means it's another completeness, but this is complete here. <clears throat> it's a, God's election of grace for his children and his promise to us that he will never leave us. And so the title of the sermon is, Heaven is Incomplete Without You. Because without you, the full humanity in heaven, heaven is incomplete. And I'll explain that as we go along here. Starting off, I'm going to read just the very first part of this, and then chapter 15, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke, so Jesus speaks this parable to him when saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one, which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than one over ninety-nine just persons who never need no repentance. He's talking about us here. He's talking about us being out in the world. And when we get lost, God searches for us. God searches for us. God's constantly going. John Wesley called that provenient grace. The grace that constantly woos us to a deeper relationship with God. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, people say, do you hear voices in your head? I sure do. I get that voice occasionally. Don't do that. And Tammy's nowhere around. And I get that voice, don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. And so that parable there, that story is about how God, every person is important to God. 
Every person is important to God. We got into this discussion the other day with people about the Methodist church. And I really like our motto, in the midst of the trouble we're in, kind of not trouble, but the controversy we're in in the Methodist church. Our motto in the Methodist church that every person has some value and worth in God's eyes. Didn't say that we accept them in their lifestyle. What we say is every person has self-value and worth in the eyes of God. And, and so, and that's our thing. Every person, every person has a redeeming quality about them. And God wants every person to repent of their sin, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and to be in the fold with the night and the rest of the sheep. Heaven is incomplete until that happens. Heaven is incomplete until it happens. The next story Jesus goes on, Jesus just doesn't hammer it home with one little story and walks away. He, did, he is a pot stir. Jesus really is a pot stir or digs the ditch deep, however you want to look at that. Uh, so I always sometimes feel like I'm in good company with Jesus. Uh, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is more joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The one matters. The one matters. And when we get in back to the Hebrew language, real quick again, 10, the perfect and divine completeness of order, testimony, or ordinal perfection is the meaning of it. It also has the meaning of the least, protection for the least. Remember Jesus says, what you did to the least of these, you have done to me. The next story, and now Jesus really ticks them off. And I'm not going to read the whole story. This is the prodigal son. It's a long story, so I won't read the whole story here. We, we, we all probably know this story. We've been in church long enough. We know the prodigal son story. Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about some of the, uh, the father with two sons. The eldest son and the young son, they're farmers. They're out there they're doing their thing. Well, the youngest son gets tired of farming life. Can you believe that? He's tired of living in a lap hall. He's tired of, of Harold waking him up every day and saying, let's go, son. So you're burning daylight with dad. It's not even sunny out yet. Well, it's going to be. And, and, and so they get out there. Far, farmers are some of the hardest working people I know. They get out there and he goes along with the, the kid gets tired of that. He asks his dad for his half the inheritance or his part, which really would be a third of the inheritance, knowing how the, the works of the oldest son would have got a uh, two-thirds, and he would have got a third of the inheritance. So he asked Dad for what was his. Your dad gives it to him. Here's all your stuff, son. Here's all the money I would have gave you if I would have died. And, and go. And the son leaves. Problem with this story is, uh, number one, what the kid really said is, Dad, I wish you were dead. Remember the, 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 what was the first, uh, first commandment with the promise? Honor your father and mother. The child was worthy of death. In the Hebrew system, in the Jewish system, if the town folks figured out what the son did, they did figure out what the son did, because it's going to be an important part of this story, they had the right to grab the son without whether the father agreed or disagreed, take him to the city square and stone him to death. 
that he had the right to stone him because he disgraced his father. And a major disgrace. The son goes off. We know the story. He uh, runs out of money while living out of friends. You know, it seems funny. We got money, you got friends. You run out of money, you lose your friends. Uh, and, and so he comes back and uh, he comes up with this story. And he sits there and says, he sits there and says, uh, he, he rehearses a story. You know, Dad, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. And just make me a hired servant, but feed me. But what we see in the story is the father is on the porch looking for his son. Probably on the porch looking for his son that watched his son walk off. Many will tell you that his dad never left. He might have went to sleep, he might have went somewhere else, but he would have had a servant looking for his son. He knew how his son walked. He knew everything else. In many part, I talk about the love of the father waiting for his son. The other part about this story is for a man, a mature man to run, especially to run for a child, an adult child, was another major disgrace. But when the father sees the son far off, <coughs> when the father sees the son far off, he gets up, he knows the swagger of his son, he knows his son from the distance, a little dot on the, on the horizon. He runs after him. And we think, man, that's just a love story there. And it really is. Because, see, if the town people see him, they're going to grab him and they're going to kill him. The town people are waiting for the son to return so they can kill him because of the disgrace that he has caused his father. The town people want to kill the son. And so when the father sees him, he has to run. He has to run to the son to beat anybody else from getting them. And so when he's there, he has to restore him into the family or the town people can kill him. Give him the robe. Give him the signet ring. So when they see the son, oh, nope, I belong to my father. I belong to my father. You cannot touch me because I belong to my father. You see the love in this story? He was as good as dead. But the father disgraced himself to save his son so his son could live. Does that story sound like anything else you've heard? Maybe this guy that was disgraced and hung on a cross so his sons and daughters could live? I mean, what an awesome love story that is. That story plays out. But now we get to the older son. I got a lawyer friend that's also a preacher. He wrote a, uh, he wrote a, uh, a devotional on this week. And he talked about the law. Why was the law ever written? Not the law of the Bible, but just the law of the land. Why do we have 25 mile an hour speed limit signs, 55 mile an hour speed limit signs, and 75? Why do we have those signs for? For protection of other people. The law is written as a shield to protect usually the least of these, is it not? Because Lady Liberty, of course this does not happen in our society today, but Lady Liberty, when she has the scales, holding the scales, what else does, uh, what else does she hold? What else does she have on? Anybody know? Blindfold. Blindfold. She don't see race, color. She don't see wealth. She don't see nothing. Justice is justice. What is good for the rich is good for the poor. And the law is written there to protect us from those who have, would have an advantage over us. 
Now, granted, don't, don't compare that to the news today. But too many times, too many times lawyers, especially prosecutors, he's a prosecutor, by the way, especially prosecutors use the law and wield it like a sword. He said, we get in the court and we battle with the law and we use it as a sword. And we try to cut people down with it. We try to tell the whole, we try to tell the whole jury how worthless person this is and how they deserve to go to jail and how all this other stuff. And we use the law for our advantage to cut other people down. And he says he was in the church the other day and people were starting to, we know what that person did? You know what that person did? You know what that person did? He says they were using the word of God as a sword to cut people down instead of restoring their lives. He says the church is to be the shield between us, the world, and the least of these. Now again, don't think we're getting, what we get in trouble with this is, that means, oh, we're going to condone homosexuality. No, you're walking outside of God out of God's law there. But no, but for the people in the church, each one of us here, we're just going to admit to this real quick. Each one of us here are sinners, are we not? Each one of us here has committed a sin this week. Without the grace of God, without the shield of Jesus, you and I are deserving of death. You and I are no better than that younger son. The lady the lady that Kathy talked about, Muslim, wearing the jihad, dang, whatever it's called. Does she deserve God's grace and love? She has denounced at one time Jesus Christ as a Savior. Does she deserve God's love? And did Kathy go in there and the team go in there? I've been to Kairos before, I know that. Did they go in there wielding the sword? Did they come and bring a shield between them and the rest of the prisoners and bring in God's grace and God's love? See how that works? So here's my question to you is, here's my question is, if heaven is incomplete without you, can we all agree on that? Heaven will be incomplete if one of us doesn't show up, correct? What about your neighbor? What about your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, your uh, kids, uh, your neighbor, your neighbor in the house? What about the lady at the Walmart line? that's having a bad day and has a bad attitude. And you're probably thinking, she's probably not saved the way she's talking, living, and looking. Is heaven incomplete without her? Just as Brownie told the great story, we didn't, we didn't put the story, but it was great. We're, we're to be the pollen that goes and spreads the word of God and be the plant in the word of God to every person. Who here have you been the word of God. Who here have you been the shield for? Who here have you been the shield for? How many times are we guilty when somebody does something wrong in the church? We whip out the sword. And we will quote scripture. Now I am famous for this one. I just have to, I have to repent for my sin. I am famous. Do you know what the Bible says? I study it hard. But the Bible says, oh, that passage there, you're not living like you. This passage here, but you know, I, I can throw those spiritual darts. I come this guy, this lawyer friend of mine, he sat there and said, Man, buddy, you're worse than the sinner that committed the sin. What? He says, you're worse than the sinner that committed the sin. And, and we just studied this over there. In Luke chapter 9, I think we'll change my page here real quick. Luke chapter 9, we'll move on right after this. Where's my thing at? Chapter 9, uh, I thought I wrote it down. I may not in this book. Chapter 9, 
uh, it says, uh, verse 49, and now John said to the master, was, was someone casting out demons, is this it, uh, because he does not follow us, but you said to him, do not be on our side. Whatever, chapter 9 tells us that God didn't come to destroy lives, he come to heal lives and rebuild lives. God come to rebuild lives. God is wanting you to help. In fact, you are the vessel to be out rebuilding lives. Instead of being the sword all the time, we sometimes need to be the shield. Sometimes we need to be the shield in this process. And I, how many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but I realized this week I am guilty of carrying a sword more than I am a shield. Because I like it. I like the power. I like to whip it out. Oh, look how you're messing up. And to realize that lawyer friend of mine says, you're a bigger sinner than the person's sin that you have pointed out. Man, I hate it when that happens. And so we go along, we've got to ask ourselves, number one, is heaven's incomplete without me? Am I doing all that I need to do to get into heaven? Remember, I'm not a one saved, only saved preacher. Number two, are you sharing the love of God with those who are outside? Because with heaven, it's not exclusive. You're not, we're not exclusive here. All of humanity. Do you realize the Muslims, God wants them in heaven too? Do you realize those in prison, and some of them have done some nasty things when I say get them out of prison, but God wants them in heaven too? All of humanity, God wants in heaven. And he's given us the task of wielding the shield and protecting and sharing the love of Jesus. But some people say, man, I am just tired of that. I was thinking of this, Moses is my favorite Bible book, um, or Exodus, and Moses is my favorite Bible character. Moses comes to the bush. He's sitting there, he goes along, and the bush is burning. What, is, what does Moses notice about the bush that's, when it's on fire? It doesn't burn up. It's not consumed. Let me tell you how to figure out if you got the love of the Holy Spirit in you. Real quick. This is because it's hilarious, so if it's wrong, just blame it on me. I come up with this on my own. If you got the love of God, you got the fire of the Holy Spirit in you, you will have a desire to, to, to help others and to be with others. And people will notice you, just like Moses noticed the burning bush, he will, they will notice you. And they will say, man, what's different about that person? I want to go, let me draw closer to this person because I'm going to be with them. If you get tired and wore out, maybe you lost the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is burdening you and you're doing what you need to be doing with prayer, fasting, Bible study, uh, being in church, you will not be consumed by the power of God. If you're being consumed by the power of God, you are doing something wrong. And one of the things is, one of the things I really enjoy about this church is we serve communion. Look at communion as the refilling station to fill your souls. It's God's grace given to us. Accelerate. It reminds us, on the day that Jesus was sitting there, Judas is on his right hand, John is on his left, Peter's across from him. And even when they're talking about his betrayal, does Jesus condemn anybody? No, he's the shield. 
Because he sat there and says, I know you all are a bunch of sinners. You all are deserving of death. Let me get some big gators. You all are a bunch of sinners, and you all deserve to die right now. You know why you don't? Because Jesus broke his body for you to pay the punishment of your sin. Okay, maybe Mrs. Odell is the angel that does it. The rest of you all, you all, the rest of you all are just nasty sinners. Myself included, by the way. The shield of faith it doesn't cover sin, but washes it away by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate shield against our sin. It saves us from ourselves. Because it forgives our sin and has already forgiven our sins. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask you this bread to be your body. We ask you to put the Holy Spirit in this juice to be your blood. That by taking it, we will feel not, not the conviction, not the condemnation of, of the law, but we will feel the grace, the love, and the mercy. We'll be reminded that you died for you and me. For, I mean, for all the people here, and myself included. And Lord, we just ask you this in the power of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jeff and Harold would come up. and I are going to do Ms. Odell and Mr. Autry and then the gluten-free. And I'd say shorter line is probably the same.